Have you ever experienced something so crippling in your life that has made you feel broken? I have. Are you someone who has a giving heart but is struggling to feel good themselves? Are you consistently putting your needs aside to take care of everyone else? If so, you're not alone. Giving starts with giving to yourself so that you are able to give of yourself to other people. Isn't it time you took back control and discovered what makes you tick? Join me in my journey and find out how you can feel better about yourself, live your best life, and share that with others. Thinking of yourself, it doesn't make you selfish. It makes you brave. I'm Nelia, and this is the Giving Starts With You podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Giving Starts With You podcast. I'm your host, Nelia Hutt. Thank you again for joining us today to talk about something that's really important to me. Um, First of all, let me introduce you. This is my new friend, and I'm so excited because I've actually met her in person, and I haven't had the opportunity to do that with most of my guests. So I'd like to introduce you, Mary English. How are you, Mary? I'm very well, thank you. And thanks for having me on your podcast. Oh, it's the pleasure is all mine. Honestly, the moment I met you, I'm like, I need to have this beautiful lady on my show. So incredible. So yeah, I'm I'm excited today. So today we're going to be talking about healing grief through energy work, coaching and sharing. And I want to tell you a little bit more about Mary. So as you can see, Mary is very personable and you can tell her passion already. And we've just said hello here on the show. Mary is the owner of Open Heart Wellness. She is a retired nurse, retired RN. She's a Reiki master. She's a doTERRA wellness advocate, and she's a life coach. Now, through her life coaching business, Mary has helped many, just like you and me, work through a life of transitions, whether it's grief, loss, retirement, any of those moments in life that... um, kind of surprise us or we're looking at change, you know, and, and how do we navigate through that? Mary, um, she inspires people to discover their dreams as they transition in the life that they desire. And this topic is so important to me. It means so much. And that's why I'm so happy to have you guys all meet Mary. Yay. She's on the show. So Mary, you're not too far away from me. You're in Wasega Beach, correct? Yeah, yep. I am in Wasega Beach. That's great. The tourist town of probably Ontario. Yes. And you have, is it two daughters? I have two daughters and their spouses and I have eight grandchildren. Wow, congratulations. And your beautiful dog whom I've met. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yes, can't forget Luna. (laughs) She's cute. Um, Not too long ago, we were raising money for um, mental health awareness, and we had a couple of garage sales, and and Mary and I were working on that together, along with our friend Annette, and it was just fantastic, and we got to meet her dog, which was great. Anyways, (laughs) so Mary, in order for the audience to, to know why you got interested in this, maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to doing life coaching. What Was it in your career from nursing, you know, onto the future that that changed your direction just a little bit? Um, I think I always enjoyed working with people, even through my my nursing career. I just found when I got to work, I was in the zone and and I really I enjoyed it. Um, I retired when we moved to Wasega Beach and my husband died about eight years ago and I just wasn't ready to sit around and do nothing. So I, I uh, became a Reiki master over the, probably the year after he passed away. It took almost a year. Um, and then I uh, got into essential oils and started using the two of them together. And then I, I went back to school. I did some psychotherapy work and then I, I um, went into life coaching. And uh, it just seems to be that good fit to mix all of those things together. Um, especially when I I see a lot of clients online, but if I do see people in person, I can use the Reiki a little bit to, 
um, to help them calm down and relax a little bit when we're chatting or during our Reiki sessions, I can use the essential oils to just kind of get them to settle down and not feel so nervous. So they, they all then tend to mesh together. Um, the idea, and I think that life coaching is the same as when I was nursing. When I get in with a client or online with a client, I'm just sort of in my space and it, it just, it feels right. It feels good to be able to see the transitions oh. over the weeks of our meeting together. And I know, I know that you're helping so many people. So thank you for doing that. How many years were you a nurse? I was a nurse. Oh, this is going to age me. I was a nurse for <laughs> 39 years. Wow. That is a so, long time. Thank yeah. you for all of your, your work and your years of, of helping. Yeah. Uh, I retired when we were, we moved here to Wasega Beach and then um, we were here in Wasega Beach for about five years before my husband passed away. And then I just didn't want to sit around being an old person anymore. So I wanted to do something and feel like I was achieving something and finding out new things. I, I, I enjoy delving into how, what makes people work and tick and mm. how they put their puzzles together of their life. Wow. So is that something that you recommend when there's a transition in someone's life to not just stop living? Oh, definitely. I think for for us as, as human beings, we want to do something different or we want to set a goal. But sometimes it's like being on that hamster wheel. You want something, but you don't know how to get it. You don't know how to get started. And you just keep going around with those thoughts in your mind and, and not knowing. Mm-hmm. And, and coaching uh, is just starting, I think, over the past couple of years to come into its own. It was not something that was really... Uh, uh, out there it was there but not really accepted as well as it's becoming now so I think as a coach you don't give the people the answers but you help them discover the answers themselves mm. just by the questions that you ask them and and you know a little bit of probing that you do it makes them think and and sort of decide how they want to do things so mm. I find when you see the lights go on when they start doing that kind of thing or they come back for the next session and they thought about what we talked about and to see those lights coming on I just I find that exciting Mm. and it's almost like you're giving them hope too because you're like guiding them like you said you don't give them the answers but you're sort of like their guide to take them through their challenges and the parts that are holding them back from from their end goal right yeah, I guess, I, and I see sort of as their their cheering committee. You know, <laughs> I help them set their set a goal, and, and then you're that cheering committee to keep them motivated to actually move forward and and to begin at least starting to to find how they're going to reach the goal or or, or set goals so that they'll reach. You know, for a, a week or a month in advance, and then we'll go another month in advance, or mm-hmm. depending on whatever they're it is that they're trying to do or, or their, their issues are. Um, just seeing that, you know thought process and quite often they'll admit to me that uh, the questions when we started they weren't real happy about the questions mm-hmm. but when they got thinking about them and they got seeing what their answers were um, they understood why why we did what we did so even those things I find is are exciting for me yeah it's it's like you said it's that moment where you're you're looking somebody in the eye and you're like oh my god this is getting through like I can see them, their brain is working and they're starting to get excited about their life and they're starting to get, the healing is starting to happen. And, you know, most of us want to have a better life and want to live more fulfilled, but without somebody there to kind of guide us and without someone there to be accountable and and help us during the times where we're like, "Uh uh-uh, this is too hard. It's tough to do it by yourself. It really is. It is. It's hard and you don't have the same motivation to try to do it yourself because you you get so wrapped up in that that hamster wheel is you know the what ifs and should I and shouldn't I and um, even how you know even talking to family members it doesn't necessarily work the same way because you don't always like what your family tells you you don't always think they know what you know they they don't really know how I'm feeling and, and maybe they do and maybe they don't but. Um, when you're talking to someone who's essentially a stranger and begins to you tend to take advice a bit better from yeah. someone who's not a family member. Yeah. And your family, yeah. And your family sometimes are just too close. Like they love you. So they may not want to be 
completely honest with you because they're trying to hold back, you know, or sometimes I find they grew up this like similar to you. So they have similar views and similar influences. So they can't really set themselves apart from your situation. Right. So I think that, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So what is your favorite type of person to, to work with, to help? Is it somebody who's been through, through grief or just really anybody who finds themselves sort of like a fork in the road and not sure what to do with their transition? That's kind of a two-edged question for me. I think I, I, I think I enjoy talking to anybody that, that's looking to make changes or to do some transition in whatever way, whether it be grief or, or job change or retirement or any of those sorts of things. Um, but grief, I have a history in, in the, the grief process because of my husband's passing away. And I did some time working with hospice on doing one-on-ones with, with clients and stuff. So I think that's probably kind of my, I guess that slide ahead a little bit as a favorite because of the time I did with the, the people on one-on-one and kind of my own personal experiences with grief and um, being able to see them change. And, and I think I see now when I was, in, especially when I was in the hospice, as they came in for their first session, often they were in their old kind of scruffy clothes and they hadn't bothered to do their hair or if it was a woman there, there was no makeup on her. Uh, and she just looked sad, very sad. And then by the time they got to the third session, because we would meet once a week and um, they would come in and they would be dressed up and their hair would be done and, and the, mm -hmm. the, their eyes had some sparkle to them and, and uh, you could see that slow. It was not a fast thing per se, but it, you could see that slow change that they wanted to look better and to feel better. And um, what a so beautiful I think, I think feeling. Those, <laughs> yeah, those small things is what you really look at it. You think just tiny baby steps are working towards feeling, feeling whole again and feeling happy again. So. I don't think that's a small thing. I think that's huge, especially when you're when you're struggling and you may be at the end of your life or it's huge. Those moments that you're saying, what a difference, even just getting themselves ready can it can bring so much, like you said, so much life back into them, you know, and I think that's that's amazing to be able to give that. A gift to somebody do you work just with the person or with their whole family sometimes uh, I work with the person um, now I I do have I did do a grief group with with particular people um, six six um, people coming to my house and that's you know that's similar to working with one-to-one -one, but there are differences as a as groups and even there you see them I think one of the one of the kind of um, stipulations in the group that you can't you not to give advice to each other but to share how your story was with each other and, and having the the other members of the group hear that they're not really so strange and the, there's differences in each person's grief but there's a lot of similarities mm. so you know the pain the loneliness the the fear and those things are there for everyone that's lost somebody and it, we all do it, deal with it differently, but they're all there. So to hear how other people are dealing with their grief is a consolation to the other members of the group. And they, they, they tend to kind of bond and, and uh, um, they, you know, they'll comment on how they're, how they're doing with you know, different parts of their grief journey. And they'll share with each other and, and share with the group. It, it takes a couple of weeks usually for them to feel comfortable, mm -hmm. but um, it's interesting to see what they, how they come forward. And uh, once again, I'm, maybe I was a teacher in another life, I'm not <laughs> sure, but, but I find I tend to give homework, whether it be the one-to-one the -one coaching online or whether it be the grief group, uh, you know, we do things through our time together, but I usually give them something to think about um, on the week, you know, prior to the, the next meeting. And, and uh, it's interesting how, you know, some of them don't do the homework, but those that do, I think, are the ones that begin to really start moving forward with the, with things, and and they have you know questions like, um, you know, what did you lose when your partner passed away? What do you feel you lose, you lost, and they can wow. sort of really start thinking about that, and then I counter that with what did you, what have you gained over this time of of grief, and that's not making grief, making light of grief, but 
looking at a positive side of things. You know, what are you seeing in yourself? Are you seeing that you're stronger than you thought you were? Well, I are you love seeing that. that. You're beginning to manage a little bit better. Those sorts of things. And um, those are hard questions well, for them to answer. Yeah. What a powerful question to ask, what have you lost? Because most people would just think, well, that's kind of a crazy question because of course you lost the person that you lost, but it's not that simple. You lose so many things. And I love that you asked that question. I think that's fantastic because we could, I mean, there's a list of things that people lose when, when, you know, whether it's a loss of a job or health or family member or spouse but what are some of the things that um that come up in these conversations when people talk about what they've actually lost um people especially if they've lost a family member or a spouse you know they lost their identity because if it's your husband or your wife you were one person with that that partner mm. and now the partners are there so you begin to ask so who am i now you know who am i really now i don't have them to count on or, or fall back on those sorts of things I think that's a uh, the, it's also a fear thing you know when I, I'm here I have to manage by myself all and I, I say from ex my own personal experience um, your partner does certain things and even even in this world of you know of things now uh, where we do all different things and my in my experience, because um, I'm older than you are, uh, <laughs> guys usually did certain things, and the, and the women did certain things, and and some of us did mixture. But but you know, there's always certain things your husband would do that, that you really couldn't. I mean, I could fix my car, or mm. I wouldn't know how to fix the barbecue. I had that to already happen this week. Fix the barbecue. Those things you you just take for granted. You know, your your partner's there; they're going to do that. Or you know, mm -hmm. if it's a man, how do I do laundry? How do I cook? My wife always cooks for me. Yeah, so even banking. Things, yeah. yeah. Those are all those things that you just, you, you know, goes on for a day-to-day -day life. You don't think about it until that other person isn't there to take up their slack or take up the stuff that they normally do. And, mm. and there's, so those are all transitions that, that you have to start thinking about. Um, mm. And it's, I think, and especially for women or men, or men who are older, that's a that's a major issue for them to start looking at how what's you know what's my life like and you know socially people go out in pairs they go out with their husband or their wives or boyfriends or girlfriends and and now you know do I want to go out to a party on my own do I you know how am I going to do that how do I who am I now that I'm going on my own those mm -hmm. are all things for them to kind of begin to think about working through yeah because you might even have things that you've stopped doing just because like so I've been married uh, 27 years now, and mm -hmm. from the first year of marriage till now, we every year it seems like we have the same conversation. And one of those conversations is, what do you want to do when you retire? And from, you know, when I was married at 23 and now I'm 50, those answers change every year. But the the common thing is that we decide together there's two of us so mm -hmm. i find that when when you lose your partner something that i hear a lot of is well what am i going to do now like we had this plan of maybe selling our home going to a cottage or traveling the world or you know starting this hobby together or all of these things and then when you lose that person it's like you're right it's like who am i now but what do I even like to do? I haven't been on my own for all these years. I I just don't know. You know, life happens. We go to work, we come home, we make dinner, we take care of the kids. If we have kids, we do pets, you know, all of these things. And then when you're in that transition, everything changes. So it's almost like, okay, what am I going to do? What, what do I like to do? How am I going to spend my time? How am I going to, there's just so much and so much uncertainty, right? Yeah, and there is. I think for me, I, I, I hold my classes a little bit different than I think probably. Uh, I follow a lot of, a lot of it go, I follow with the hospice protocol because that's where I learned my grief um, work. Um, so I follow along a lot with that, but I also uh, tend to spend probably almost half of the, the sessions at the, towards the end and, and doing exactly that. 
What do you love to do now? What do you like to do? What did you like to do before you got married? Is there something that you thought you would always like to do just at, just for you? Mm. And and how do you want to do that? You know, and, and what you know is do you have a close friend that you can maybe travel with if you still like to travel? Maybe you know, girl traveling can be fun too. Uh, look at you know, look at how you want to be three months down the road. You know, especially mm -hmm. for those who are. It's different for whether it's been a month that that person has passed away or six months. What do you want to do going forward? You know, how are you going to manage with some of the things that happen after a person has died? All the practical stuff. You know, what about the, what are we doing about the clothing and all this kind of thing? Um, dealing with that when you can get get past that or when you're wanting to look at something else. You know, how are you going to go about going out to, to dinners by by yourself? Are you going to find a friend or a or are you, you know, when are you going to be ready to start to date again? Do you want to date again? All those questions yeah. and how to think about those sorts of things. And I find that I, I tend to, the comment that's out there, and I, I think it's valid in a sense, but I don't like it. It's that the, the comment that you never get over grief. And I think that leaves a really negative com, uh, connotation of grief. Not that grief is easy, not that that you, you, you know, um, you should think that you are never going to get over it. But that's what I try to tell my people. You're going to get over the grief, you're, but you have to want to get over it. So if you work through it and you go through all the processes and you step out there a little bit, you'll get over the, the, the gut-wrenching pain. Eventually, that will eventually begin to subside. Mm. And, you know, it'll show up from time to time, but you will begin to find there'll be less and less of those gut-wrenching, horrible feelings and stuff. And, and, but I said, if you hang on to the, the idea that you never get over grief, it, it's, it can lead people into that sense that they're always sad. Mm. You know, and I, I mean, it's been eight years since my husband passed away and I still think about him uh, pretty much every day, really. But I don't sense that sense of sadness. I, I fear we've learned a lot together and part of the learning is what is getting me to where I am today. Because we, you know, we, we uh, we had a good relationship. I learned a lot from him and I think he learned a lot from me, but that has given me that energy and courage to, to do stuff. So looking at, you know, taking that twist on, it's always going to be grief and you're always going to be sad and miserable and horrible and life is over basically, to look at what is beyond the grief. Try to see what's going to be a positive part in your life mm. without making light of the grief. It's not that the grief isn't painful, but looking at where you can find find happiness and joy again. I love that you're having these conversations and this is how you do it because, you know, as you know, so it's so important to talk about it. Like I didn't talk about my grief for 12 years and it put me in a spiral of so many new problems. So now I've got all these new problems and I still have my grief, right? Not, don't do what I did, not good. So I love that you're having these conversations with people and allowing them a safe place to talk because, most people when they have grief or my experience is just to get them started to talk where they're not always like in that horrible, horrible feeling of sadness. And it is hard. And I just want people to know that getting over your grief as, as Mary's describing it does not mean you don't think about the person does not mean that you stop loving them. It just means that, like she said, you, you think of them and their good memories rather than just the sadness and the part that they died. You move on to their whole part, right? And I think that's yeah. so important because do you find like even if, even once you're at that place, you can still get grief attacks? Oh, yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. Definitely get grief attacks. It's, uh, and as you go farther into that process or, or move farther away from the initial grief, they're not near as frequent, but they are, they are surprising because, you know, you, I mean, I can say for myself, um, just a few months ago, it was like, I was fine. And all of a sudden something struck me and I'm thinking, where the heck did that come from? And <laughs> so it, so it does come up from time to time, but it doesn't last long. You know, it comes up and it's, it might be a few hours or maybe it's just a day or a part of a day and it's, it's okay again. But I think for me, in my own mind, uh, Marvin and I had talked a little bit before he passed away um that he he wanted me to get married again I said well I'm not going to promise that because I don't know what I'm doing with that one but I said <laughs> well I'll, I'll be I'll be okay 
And, and I think my sensibilities for him and for what he would say to me is that he doesn't want me to be sad mm. the rest of my life. And I wouldn't want him to be sad the rest of his life either. If I, if, if I was the one that had passed away and he was the one who was living. So in that way, you're honoring that person that's died by making your life good and making it happy and, and doing what you need to do to be, to be happy and, and stuff. I know a couple of people that mm. um, they're like 30 years beyond the death of their partners and they're still in the depths of grief like they're sad all the time and all they want to do is die so they can be with their, their husbands and I'm thinking that's just so sad it's heartbreaking to hear that it is it's very sad um, when you've got a life that that you're gifted with um to be happy and and i know if, if i had passed away and i was here i would want him to do whatever was going to make him happy and live whatever he has in his life and i, I saw so i think i try to encourage the people to do that without without making them think that i don't think the grief hurts because it does hurt but you need to you do need to go forward or try to go forward yeah it's you know sometimes i joke with my husband i'm like when i die you better be sad you better be sad for a little while, but then move yeah. on. Well, yeah, that's yeah. okay. Damn straight. <laughs> you're too happy after the first week, you're going to be in trouble. I'm going to haunt you. Oh, yeah. So Mary, I wanted to talk to you about, so I don't know very much about energy work. I'm learning a bit about it or Reiki. And I'm just trying to think, how do you use that to help your clients like, heal through grief and things like that how did how do you combine the two things together um the last group i had i offered them a, a, either a free um, reiki session or aromatized session when the group sessions were finished mm. and uh, i was surprisingly but four out of the five chose reiki which i was surprised because they didn't really understand it either so i explained it to them and, and um for them, when they, the sessions were finished, they all said, that was really unbelievable. What were you doing? And I said, I don't know if I was doing anything. I just had my hands touching you a little bit on your, your chest or your arm or your hand, where you ever was on my hand. Um, but I think, and I think you can do that. Um, Reiki is energy that we all have. We all have energy and we can all share that energy. Some people choose to do that, some people don't, but you can share it sometimes without even realizing. Um, but even sitting there and, and um, for me anyway, holding a person's hand or giving them a hug, I can, in my mind, I know my, my Reiki values, my, the, the process I go through when I begin to, to do a Reiki session, I can do that sort of in my head and send that Reiki, just holding their hand, sending that little bit of extra energy or that love to, to that person. That goes, that energy goes wherever it's most needed. Like, I don't have control. Like, I'm not some kind of God that does something. I'm just there and being present. Um, the energy goes where it's most needed. So, you know, you can do a full session, but you can also just, we did a um, Heal the Healer Day um, earlier this week. And we did so, we did yoga for two hours. <laughs> and it was really great. It was with sharing and, and yoga. But the, the two people that were facilitating the group are both... Um, uh, Reiki masters. So as we were doing some of our positions, they would come by and, and do Reiki, maybe over your shoulders or over your low back. It was just like a five-minute thing. They would just come and put their hands mm. on your shoulders or your back and 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 do with that energy. So it's 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 very simplistic and yet it's uh, very healing in, in so many ways. I love that, so, especially with somebody going through grief or a transition. It's like just that human touch can mm -hmm. really bring a new element to the to the coaching session too, right? Just mm -hmm. kind of allows the person to trust you as as well, like creates a if relationship. You look at, at, at not only the Reiki, but the, the healing touch. Was, oh, I learned when I was doing the hospital, we can do healing touch for those clients who are are getting clo are, are close to death and, uh, and their families just by holding your hand and putting your hand on their shoulders. Mm. You, your hand on their shoulders and, and sort of maybe have your fingers pointing toward their heart and you just sort of sit there and send energy to them or, or let that energy flow. And um, it's amazing how that person that's dying can be quite restless mm. and doing that kind of energy work with them, they'll just calm right down. 
Wow. And, you know, families are amazed that, you know, it's, uh, that it works. This, this is stuff that, that, that really works. You don't need to only use medication for, for this kind of thing. You can use the human touch and the love that you can send to, to those people right? and the families. And it, it helps the families as well um, to do that kind of thing with them. And it's something that takes um, 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes. It's not like you have to spend an hour doing that. Healing touch will, will do, will just take a few minutes to do that. So wow, I um, love that. The gift of so many things we can use to help people and to, to show love and caring for people. It, it's good to be able to, to do that. And you've got such a big heart. I know this for, for a fact. So I think, I, you know, I think you're in the right line of work for, for the type of person you are. Because honestly, you're incredible. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. You're very I, I just enjoy it. I just, I really, I can feel like that's just sort of part of what I do. It's not like it's anything special. It's just part of what I do mm. or try to do anyway. So Mary, I just want to go back to your personal story as well. When your husband passed away, um, you said that you wanted to kind of pick yourself up and say, well, I don't want to just, you know, have a life where I start, stop living. Was that hard for you to do? Like, do you recommend, is there certain things that you recommend to somebody that maybe is having a hard time, even just with the mindset of, of, of doing that? Because I think that's where most people get stuck is right after. Yeah, I, I think it's important to try and stay, keep your life as normal as you're able to do that, able to do. Um, I think it's important to, uh, to lean on families and friends that, that you can trust. Um, my girls were, were, um, definitely, you know, there if I, if I needed anything and you don't want to burden your children or your, your kids, but, but it was just nice to, to know they were there and nice, you know, they would check in and say, how you doing or, or different things like that. And, and, um, being able to kind of know that that support is there if I needed it or I wanted it. Um, so I think, and I think it's important. And, um, I talk about Marv a lot. Even even today, I, you know, I share different stories of, of it, and um, we've kept his name and his, him alive in a sense through our families because the, the grandkids still talk about him. Those who know him talk about him. Those who did, never actually met him, uh, they know about him and, and they ask questions. Mm. So I think and, and using using that loved person's name with the people that you're talking to. Um, it, uh, that keeps him alive, keeps it, the, the person alive. And as, as people get used to hearing you use the name, they'll start using that name. Because mm. they don't know, people don't know what to say to you when you, you know, you've lost somebody, you lost a husband yeah. or a, a child or anything. People are terrified that they're going to say the wrong thing. But I think just making, um, acknowledging that, that that has happened, acknowledging with the person's name, that, that your name is really a, who you are part of so yes. those sorts of things um and because i'm stubborn i i you know once i got settled i thought i really wanted to go back to i used to go to zoom the class and i think i'd like to go to zoom but I, I didn't want everybody fawning over me <laughs> so <laughs> thought, okay i'm going back and i'm just going to hang in there and see and it, it was hard to go back because you you, you know people are going to start saying how sore they are and, and they, i don't want to start crying in front of everybody uh, so those are all the emotions you know we all have different personalities and personality types but i went back and, and people did a little bit of that but it was just they were just happy to see me come back mm. um, you know i said well didn't, we didn't think you'd be coming back yet no i said no i just i need to move and get going i can't be at home all the time mm. and that just helped me kind of begin to get uh, out of myself and and uh, doing things and that gives you that um that a few, that hour or whatever that time would be to forget about all the stuff that's going on mm. when somebody dies you have so many technical things to do and changing names and changing addresses and checking insurances and what i do with the clothes all of those things if you stay in your house that's all you're thinking about and making all those phone calls. So if you go out, if you can get yourself to go out, and even if it's just having a coffee with a friend, that will sometimes just get you that breather that you need. Mm. 
stand away from your grief for half an hour or an hour, and then you can go back at it. It, it, it. You know, it's not like you're trying to to close a door on it. It's that you you need to have a breather for a few minutes, and, and just and uh, that's okay. Like yeah, like I love. There's so many things you just said that I love. So one of the things that you said was about the name. Your name is your identity for so many reasons. So I had never thought of that before, but I think that's great advice. Um, you know, and I truly believe, and I mentioned this in the book I wrote about grief, but I truly believe that our relationship remains with the person we lost. It just changes. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's not like our relationship has to end with them. It doesn't have to be so final. Yes, they're not here on earth with us, but our relationship changes from, you know, into memories and changes into, you know, our thoughts and what we say and keeping that person alive by saying their name. That's awesome. I love that so much. And when you do go back to work or you go back into your circles, you know, you had mentioned that it's kind of nice in a way that people acknowledge what happened to you, but sometimes it can like overburden and kind of come at you so much that it's almost like, okay, stop reminding me every two minutes. I know you're trying to tell me that you care about me, but sometimes it can be too much. And I just want the listeners to know that it's okay to tell people, hey, you know, I appreciate that, but I just, I just can't talk about it right now. Or you know, whatever it is that you need, it's okay, because everybody's grief journey is different, the timeline is different, and although it's important to talk about the person, you don't want your identity and, and going back into work or, or your circles of friends to be only about that experience. You also want to keep a part of yourself, too. So I really appreciate you saying that, because it's not something we automatically think about. Like, you had said a few minutes ago how people just they're uncomfortable they don't know what to say yeah so there's the usual things you know that people say and because we really don't know what to say like there are no words in the english language that can really make somebody feel comforted when they've lost somebody that they love like i yeah. i just don't feel that there are but i think the worst thing is when people are so uncomfortable that they say nothing because of they're afraid that they may say the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I think saying something is better than being too scared to say the wrong thing. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah it is. Because it always, um, it's like that elephant in the room. And, and that's, the, the, I have a poem with all my material that I use in my classes that, that talks about the elephant in the room. How do you deal with that elephant in the room? Mm. And, and it, it's, it's interesting. Um, because it is better just to say something and, and, and just sort of so you know you can acknowledge that you don't have to say a lot, just so the person knows that you've acknowledged it. Um, knowledge that they, they have had a, a, a difficult time, they are grieving and, and um, they are in, in pain. Um, and maybe, you know, it is okay for the grieving person to say, I, I obviously can't talk about it right now, but I'd love to have coffee with you sometime if you have time. Something like that, so that if you do want it, if you do want to have a conversation, if the person is mm -hmm. wanting to talk to you and sort of spend time with you, it's easier to kind of sit and, and share your feelings in a one-on-one -on -one thing with somebody that you think that you trust. You're not going to talk to everybody about what you're feeling, but if there's yes. somebody that you really feel comfortable with and you trust and it's nice to have that person come and just uh sit and visit with you or go to their house and have them kind of make you that coffee or tea and just sit and be there with them um that's another way of getting out of away from that that uh, if it's like um going to work you go to work and you do your job but you need to come home sometimes and debrief yourself yeah from, from your busy day and, and grief is the same thing you, you're you're in that grief scenario but you have to step away every once in a while, whether that be have a hot bath or go out and, and take a walk or visit a friend, you need to do that. And, and uh, sometimes you need to push yourself. It's hard to, to do it when you're feeling. It is. In that throngs of grief and pain. It so, is. And I think that's maybe where a, a grief group or a, a coach can, can say, okay, you know, what are you doing for yourself this week? Have you eaten? Are you eating? Yes. I'm not eating. Well, what, how are you going to change that? What do you want to do to change that? And, and help them figure out how they yeah. can change that. Or, or they met with a friend, you know? Have you been out this week? No. 
then where do you want to, do you think you can manage to go out for coffee once this week with a friend? And we don't have to talk about anything, you no. know, it's just having somebody like, so for a long time, I didn't um, go to grief counseling or anything after my dad passed away for years and years. And I regret that so much. But when you do go, the people around you in the group, they're so inviting, like you had mentioned earlier, they do, it really does help to listen to one another's stories, because there may be something in that story that will help you heal a little bit, or make you think twice about why do you feel a certain way. And there can be so much healing and just listening to other people's stories, you know, and it's almost like the more you feel you don't want to leave the house and do stuff, the more you really need to. Yeah. Because, you know, it can get scary sometimes and it can be very lonely and very dark. And I agree. I think working with a coach or working with a, a counselor can really help more than anything. It can really help people um, just have a reason to get up you know, have yeah. a reason to have a conversation and those people will understand, you know, and that's a safe space because they're not, they're not your family or your best friend judging you, whether, you know, okay, it's been a month, you should get over it. Like, let's yes, go, you know, I think our society, that. our society points us in that direction. I mean, they say, you know, you got, if someone like that dies, someone close to you dies, you have three days off work. Well, really? If yes. You really, you know, aren't really wanting to go back to work in three days because you're you're exhausted and you're you're in pain and you're trying to figure out where you're going to go from here and you have to go back to work. Um, so our society is is not you know not geared in the sense of of um, allowing that person to that time to grieve and and giving them you know letting them have that extra time. They give. I guess in some respects, I think they give pregnant moms or moms who just had babies. They give them a year. To bond with their child and maybe the that grieving person if it's a you know a family member or whatever needs to have that little bit of extra time to kind of get their feet under them it's not going to end your grief by any means but it gets your feet under you so you're ready to go back and face yes. your work and sorts of things so absolutely <laughs> no but that could be so helpful for so many people even if people want to go back after three days just to get a little bit of a taste but then when they have their grief attacks say I need a couple of days and, and for their bosses to be understanding of that and for people to allow that healing to happen because it can, you know, losing someone you love um, can change your life so much. It can really, you know, it's that fine line between being broken and feeling like things are never going to be better to living a life, learning how to be happy and live your life without that person. And People need to get the help that they need to get. You know, they need to have that safe space to talk about it. So, you know, what are maybe what are two or three things that someone can do when a friend of theirs is is grieving? What are a couple helpful things that people can do? Because sometimes people want to help and they don't know what to do to help someone who's who's in pain. I I, I think sometimes just being that being available, being present mm -hmm. with them. Sometimes you just maybe just being there and you don't have to even talk. Mm -hmm. you just, you're just there. Sometimes you just have to say, you know, I know you're in pain. I don't know how to help you, but I'm willing to do whatever you need. Mm -hmm. What do you need? You know, you need me to be somewhere to do something for you. you yeah. Know? Even if, it, if it's talking or maybe it's just, uh, you know, making a meal for them or bringing a meal yes. over, sharing, sharing something with them in, in that respect. And, um, it doesn't need to be anything big. It's just knowing that that person is there. If you need them, they're there. Mm -hmm. You know, and having someone, especially in the early throngs of grief, having someone that will do that for you. Because, you you know, there's so many people that just, they don't want to, they haven't got the energy to, to cook for themselves. They just don't feel yes. like eating. And that can go on for a long time. Or they forget. They forget yeah. to eat sometimes. Yeah. Those sort of things, and I had a, I had someone when I was doing the, the hostels work in Barry. Um, was a gentleman, a, a, a younger gentleman, like he probably in his forties. Um, and, and his idea was he, he wanted to get back to normal, but he didn't know how. How mm -hmm. do I get back? When do I know? And I said, "Well, it'll happen eventually." Well, then you know. And for for a man, you know, when can I start dating? I said, "When did you want to start dating?" 
well, I don't know. And I said, where's the picture of your wife? Sits on my, it sits on my side table, okay? And say, what happened when you look at that picture and you get up in the morning? I usually cry. Then do you really think you need, you're ready to get into a relationship? Do you think maybe when you can look at her picture and remember the good times, maybe you're ready to look at having a relationship? And oh. again, you're not telling him, you're just guiding him into his own answers, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's just those sorts of things that, that uh, you know, those things, those thoughts come up because people don't know how to, how do you grieve? No, there's no rules and regulations of grieving. They don't know whether, you know, sometimes they don't, they think if they, they go somewhere and they laugh and, and have fun, that that's wrong. It's the same as, you know, yes. at some point years ago when you had to wear black for a year. Yeah, you know, uh, we had to go and you, you know, we weren't supposed to have fun or do anything. Things have changed. That. Um, so it's okay to, if you have some time and you're, you, you laugh, it's not, you're not dishonoring the person, but you're honoring yourself. You have to, you have to. Thank you. Yourself. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for saying that. I remember catching myself laughing one time and being like, what are you doing? You're not supposed to be doing that. You know, yeah. and it wasn't until, you know, it was pointed out to me by a grief counselor that I was like, no, this is okay. You know, mm -hmm. it's okay. I'm still alive. I'm still here. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> and I go back to that. What would your partner say if that you ran around sad all the time and yeah. you, you were afraid to laugh or cry or, or whatever? What would that person that you're grieving say to you? And, and I don't think there's any of them that have passed away that would say, yeah, I want you to stay sad. And don't, don't you dare laugh because you're supposed to, you're supposed to be sad now because I'm gone. I don't think any of them would say that. No. I mean, and it's okay to just be able to think of that on this side of the fence. But when you're on the initial grieving, you need someone to remind you that, that you have to live. You have to, you know, laughing is okay. Crying is okay. Mm. Um, all of those things are okay. Absolutely. You got to feel them because don't, don't suppress them for sure. And I think another thing that might be helpful too, is sometimes friends come and they're, they gather around you in the initial time. And then two, three months later, nobody's around. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes you need somebody in a couple, you know, a couple of months after everybody else is gone to say, Hey, you know, I'm going to go check in on this person because everybody yeah. seems to come in flocks when it happens. And then they all disappear and it's like don't do that <laughs> you know and try, to, try to have uh yeah yeah, exactly. yeah, I, yeah it's true because they're they're there in the crisis the people all people flock to you in the crisis but when the crisis seems to be over and that happens with things with grief but it happens with a lot of other crises yes. that we have too um but it, it's those true friends and you you will you find out who your really true friends are when you are in the midst of a crisis and that person is there and they're there six months later and they're checking up. So how's it going today? Are you, are you, are you feeling, you know, like you're getting, a, you know, getting a little farther on in that journey or are you, you know, are you eating okay? And mm -hmm. how are you feeling? And, you know, um, and, and those, those people are there and you, you find who they are when you're in a crisis. Yes. I think we've had a really important conversation here today. And it, it also reminds me um, how important it is to, as a person who is still alive, you know, to, to live my life in a way that teaches people something so that when I'm not here, my legacy can continue and I can bring something positive to the people that are missing me, you know, and I think it's so important to, to um, appreciate the gift while we're here, but also when we're not, to appreciate that relationship that is still there. Yeah, yeah, I think still there. I've said to the, the kids, because I mean, they think I'm never going to die. And I said, well, the reality is I will at some point in time, not for a long time. You're stuck with me for quite a while yet. But, <laughs> but I said, when, you know, when that happens, you know, you're going to be sad. But I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to be picking out music. And I said, I do not want all this low, sad, mournful music played at my funeral. Because trust me, I'll be back and you will be sorry because I'll be back. <laughs> My mom wants Elvis. She's already told me. <laughs> I, I want country music or some of my, some of my, uh, I call it woohoo music that I really like. That's, and that's a bit quieter music. 
But I said, that's, you know, play the music that you know I will like. Don't play the sor sad, sorrowful, amazing grace kind. Not that there's anything wrong with amazing grace, but <laughs> that wouldn't be something I would want at my funeral. I want music that says who I have been. So mm -hmm. I said, and I said, you know, I know you're going to be sad, but I said, remember, you know, get be happy as well. You can be happy. Wow. So, Mary. They don't like having that conversation, but every once in a while I'll just say, remember, I told you, if you're not happy, I'll tell them that. <laughs> yeah, but let's, you know, let's live the best life that we can. Let's bring meaning and purpose to our life and and to those around us, you know, so that we we can continue that relationship with people after we're gone too. I think that, yeah. that that's a beautiful thing. I know that you're helping people out there, Mary. If If somebody wants to get in touch... Oh, you are. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, if somebody wants to, you know, if, if somebody needs help, if somebody would like to become part of your groups, how would they reach out to you? They can reach me on my Facebook page or on my Open Heart Wellness Health uh, website. .ca. I think right. you have those. I think you have those. Yes, I'm going to put them all in the um, in the show notes. And I know you have very generously offered our listeners um, a 30-minute free session yep. just to get an introduction with them, which I think is very generous. Thank you very much. And well, that's just I think I do I do that because if you're gonna if you're gonna meet with a coach or a counselor of some description, you need to feel like you have a connection with them. And because you pay for you pay for these sessions. So if, you, if we have that half hour chat, they can feel whether they they feel mm. like they can connect with me and talk to me and, and gain something from it. And then, and maybe if they don't, then they will find somebody else that they can connect with. So they, I want them to have that time to feel like they, they're going to be able to make that connection and be comfortable talking about those sorts of things. Yeah. Cause you can't open up about your feelings. If you're feeling, you know, like you can't, you have to hold back, right. You've got to connect with the right person. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think you also have my phone number. They can, they can call me directly if they, if they prefer uh, if they leave me a message, I'll call them back. Wonderful. So, yes. Check out her website. Absolutely. Openheartwellnesshealth.ca. And you're going to be hearing more from Mary because Mary and I are going to be doing some future, um, you know, collaborations together. So I'm sure you will hear her back on the podcast again. But Mary, thank you so much for taking the time today out of your busy day, for sharing with us your personal story, for giving us some advice on how, you know, what we can do for each other and how, you know, healing works and just giving everybody permission to do it in their own way, you know? Um, and thank you for helping with the hospice groups and it locally here in Barrie, where we live. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the, this podcast. I've been an honor to be here so Aww. once again I'm outside of my comfort zone but it's good <laughs> and I love it I love it you're such a go-getter you know you you didn't you don't let things get you down I mean you're just you're out there you're learning you're you're sharing your expertise with everybody and I absolutely love it thank you so much and I'm so glad to uh, have met you in person and continue to become friends so thank you Mary for for joining us today Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe or leave a review. See you next week on the Giving Starts With You podcast.